I like to do two kind of things once in a while. Sometimes to make sure I under, I'm so aware of God's goodness, I love to go on a praise walk and just spill out all the good things that He has done. Uh, and the other thing is go on a sin walk and just go all the way back to the earliest cookie I stole out of a cookie jar and just talk to Jesus about those things, those relationships, those dishonest things, the, the you know things from when I was a young man dating, and just go back and, and walk through that which has been pardoned. And, and you can't finish a walk like that and be anything but broken and humble. Welcome to the next episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. I'm Alan Briggs. And I'm David Bloom. And today is a really exciting episode. So a couple of us young pastors get to interview, we'll just say, a very seasoned, very wise man, 38 years in the same church, North Coast Church near San Diego. Larry Osborne shares some leadership gold with us today. In this podcast, he digs into areas that we preach about, but we don't necessarily believe in our own lives. And there's just so much here for you to dig into. Sit back, relax, and of course, grab your cup of coffee and enjoy this great conversation with our friend, Larry Osborne. Welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. I'm really excited today to have kind of a godfather of many uh, pastors and leaders out there, Larry Osborne. And um, Larry's known for a whole lot of different stuff. Some maybe have called him the sticky guy with sticky teams and sticky church. Um, But I know him as a faithful leader and shepherd of North Coast Church in Southern California. And so uh, a multi-site church, he knows those dynamics. He's been in um, church and ministry for a long time and just uh, admire his faithfulness and actually had an opportunity uh, to sit across the table and kind of receive some consulting and next steps uh, for us and for our church in a really hard season that we went through. Uh, I'm just super grateful for how he's investing in young leaders. So Larry, thanks for your faithfulness, uh, number one. But number two, thanks for uh, jumping on this podcast and, and investing in us a little bit today. Oh, I'm glad to be with you. Honored to be. So as uh, as you talk about um, leadership and ministry over the years, I love just how you're so practical about it, about next steps, and I know you do some consulting as well. So we want to take a little bit advantage of some of that consulting uh, today as we think about leaders in the trenches, listening along, looking for some practical next steps. Just give us kind of an overview of your leadership journey. <laughs> Well, I started uh, actually in ministry at a really young age. I became a Christian right before my senior year of high school and fell in love with the Bible and started uh, teaching it to my friends. And uh, so uh, that was kind of what I did in my spare time. I'd I'd study it and teach it to a friend or whatever. And uh, what I found out is people just kept coming. So (laughs) then I found out, Oh my gosh, you can make a living doing this thing that I do in my free time that I love. And so I went to Bible school and seminary and next thing I knew I was a young pastor and uh, actually did a couple of youth ministry uh, gigs in large churches. And then uh, at 28 years old, came to what is now North Coast Church, a little uh, uh, about a year and a half old uh, church plant and uh, been there ever since. They haven't, haven't found me out yet. And you're 38 now, so you know 10 solid years there at North Coast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, how many years is it now, Larry? How many years have you been there? Actually, 38. Uh, September 1st was start of year 38. Wow. So it's been a 
tough journey at times, the beginning especially, but uh, most of it been really cool. And I think when people ask kind of keys or whatever that have made life workable is pretty early on, I decided I would try to uh, plant and grow up the church I'd want to go to rather than one that would, quote, be big or what everybody else was doing. So uh, when you're trying to lead the church you'd want to go to, it's fun to go to church. And talk about one of the things, Larry, that obviously I love the idea of the the faithfulness, 38 years already and, and still going. Uh, and we need more of that today, that long obedience in the same direction, um, faithfulness to serve in one place and in one community. Um, but talk a little bit about how uh, you were talking about pastors don't get paid attention to until they're seen as successful and having large churches. Um, just talk a little bit about that conundrum. Uh, of people who have stuff to give, wisdom and honesty, yeah. and just great nuggets, but we're just not even paying attention to them. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I wish I had the solution for it because it's a problem I can identify. But then when I look back at myself before I read somebody, listen to somebody, I always tend to ask, "Well, what do you? What have you done? Uh, what fruit do you have to prove this uh, idea or whatever really works?" But uh, you know, we grew very slowly. It was five years until I was able to add a person. We grew by one my first three years. Uh, I started with about 70 adults, quickly grew to, say, 90, 95 adults, and then, you know, good number of kids because you're a young pastor, young church. But uh, during that time, most of the things that North Coast is well known for, sermon-based small groups, uh, emphasis on shared teaching, uh, most of the things that uh, people go, wow, that's special. They come and try to learn from us. Um, we were starting to do way back then, but nobody really gave a rip because, well, you know, what do you have to say? You're got less than a hundred adults showing up. So I think the best thing we can do is, is, is try to constantly be learning from young leaders uh, who are on their way up because that's where those ideas are uh, birthing and uh, taking place. But if I want to be really honest uh, I understand why nobody listened in those years, uh, because we all do the same thing. You know, think of the last time you went to a conference. Uh, I'm sure you weren't uh, picking which breakout to go to by the topic. You were picking which breakout to go to uh, by the recognition of some level of success. So it's it's a conundrum, no question. Um, not sure I got the answer to it. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Now, when did you start turning your attention to mentoring younger leaders? Well, what happened to me is when uh, I was uh, first starting out, I couldn't get any of the people I looked up to to give me the time of day. First of all, they'd have, you know, uh, three guard the gate assistants, and you you just couldn't get any time with them. And when you did, they'd forget the appointment, give you off to their associate, whatever it would be. And so at that point, uh, I made a decision that if there was ever a time where people actually wanted uh, some of my time or some of my experience or knowledge uh, that I would be available. So I was probably in my early 30s when I made that commitment. Uh, And so when that time came, I just followed through on that commitment uh, because it just seemed ridiculous to me that I couldn't talk to the people who were three, four, five steps ahead of me until I was in their camp. And then suddenly when you're sitting in the green room with them, they're all your friend. I go, this is a little late. I don't need you anymore, dude. Uh, I needed you 15 years ago, but you were you were too much of a big shot to give time to little guys like me. So that's really where it started. Just trying again, almost like the church at North Coast is a church I'd want to go to. 
uh, I try to mentor and help out pastors and be the pastor I wish was willing to mentor and help me. I love that. Yeah, be the leader that you wish you could have turned to 10, 15, 20 years at a time. Well, thank you for that and all your investment. If you guys don't know who are listening, Larry's investing constantly in, in younger leaders and pastors, some of them being friends of mine, and continue to share all the ways you invest in, in their lives. So I know you're teaching them a lot. What are you learning from younger leaders today? Well, I, I think one of the great uh, gifts that's given back to me is not only spending a lot of time with younger leaders, but I, I get to do it in all kinds of tribes, uh, the, the uh, kind of across the spectrum, sometimes as wide as the body of Christ is, which we don't often get that experience. And so uh, I'm just always seeing that God is at work where God is showing up uh, and he's drawn straight lines with crooked sticks. And uh, so what I tend to find in all kinds of different camps are, are new ways of adapting to the culture, uh, new ways of using the tools uh, that are, are developing, and just the refreshment of, uh, of a passion to make a difference uh, for our Lord. And so that's, uh, I always tell my wife, the church is in good hands, not only Jesus' hands, but the people he's got uh, set aside that right now we're taking the reins for the next generation of leadership. There's a, a lot of really great young leaders out there. That's a great reminder. I mean, it's come kind of almost like you you find what you're looking for, and you hear a lot of bad rap about you know younger leaders aren't this and that, and just appreciate you you know lifting up the bright spots and saying you know there's a lot of hope and, and promise for the future. Um, but talk to long, younger leaders for for just a minute. A lot of younger leaders listening along here, what are some of the pitfalls or some really dangerous things as young pastors, especially that we need to be looking out for? Well, it's the same problem that every younger uh, leader has had throughout time. And that is that uh, we think we're unique. I've lived long enough to, I'm so tired of hearing, you know, well, millennials are entitled or this or that. And yes, there's a, you know, they're much more tech savvy because, you know, their, their children start that at three years old and this, but, uh, the entitled millennial says, Oh, I only want a job that will change the world is really reflecting the same thing that the boomer who's talking about legacy today is doing. Uh, both of them are a little self-important. Um, so what I find younger leaders need to do more than anything else is to realize there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, the older generation is as stupid as they think it is, and they're not as bright as they think they are. Uh, and it's always been that way. Uh, I, I talked to some of the younger staff uh, on our team, and uh, they don't realize just four or five years before my early adulthood, um, I, I just say, go back and listen to some of the music, some of the, the words, some of the lingo, see the cultural mindset of uh you know, the, the mid sixties or whatever, and the turmoil and, uh, the rejection of, uh, kind of complacent Christianity. And I go, you're going to, you're going to hear the same song we're playing now. So it, it's, to me, it's never a call to quit being yourself, lose your passion, quit being idealistic. It's just, uh, being quit being so narrow, uh, learn a little from history 35 years ago, uh, 75, 125, not just ancient history in the last 10 years. That's great. We need that perspective and just that reminder. So thanks for, for that. Let, let me step in and give you an example that was fun. Yeah, go for it. Uh, remember when the emergent church was just starting out kind of that, that little phase. And, uh, 
what I did is I went to one of the first quote emergent conferences with all our emerging merchant age pastors at that point, which now of course are older. Uh, but uh, they're listening to all this stuff and think it's amazing. So I went to my library at home and I pulled out a bunch of books and I read excerpts out of them. And they were just convinced they were the latest books uh, by the well-known communicators and writers who were, you know, critiquing today's church and saying what it needs to be. And so I would read these sections. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then I would show them the copyright date. I go, look at this, 1962. Huh, look at this, 1965. <laughs> look at this, 59. Look at this, uh, 71. And th- their mouths just uh, fell open. Like, are you kidding me? And I go, well, that's my point is, uh, Let's never live our life so narrow that we only know our lane. Sure. And they were the innovators. They, they were pushing new boundaries at the time and probably called crazy and probably shot in the back by others as well at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go back 35, 40 years before that, you'd have the same voices. So uh, the Spirit of God screams out truth for the last 2,000 years. Mm, that's good. Such a needed reminder today. So this summer I was on a road trip and was listening to, to you on Kerry Newhoff's uh, leadership podcast. And, and this phrase really stuck out to me. You said, we often preach things that we struggle to believe ourselves. And yeah, maybe I should even write on that someday kind of thing. So from that moment, I thought, oh, what are those things? So we want to kind of talk about that in the next section. So what are some of those things, Larry, that we preach regularly but struggle to believe ourselves? Well, I think one of the big ones is grace. Uh, we, we, we talk a lot about grace being God's unmerited favor, and we tend to preach it and uh, apply it to those who do not yet know Jesus. But uh, once you step over the line, we don't have a lot of grace for you. Uh, if you're a struggling new Christian for a short period, grace. Uh, but you're a struggling Christian for a long period of time, you're kind of hanging at the back of the line, uh, grace goes out the window. Uh, we very quickly turn performance. Uh, we look at what I call sometimes the not yet ready, uh, the Joseph of Arimathea who tried to be a secret disciple because he was afraid of what he was going to lose. And uh, we get up and we rail on them like you, you know, cultural Christians are the people we love to rail on and uh, long term Christians who haven't really fully committed to discipleship. And the, the irony is for many of us, that's our story. We knew truth for a period of time and just ignored it or danced around it or played with it a little bit, and then God got a hold of us. But when somebody else is living our story, uh, we're incredibly harsh on them. Uh, you become a, a spiritual leader today, especially the more biblically uh, our tribe is oriented, and that's my tribe. I'm a, I'm a Bible guy, unapologetically. I got a Bible verse for everything, even if it's out of context. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Um, what happens is uh, we just don't give the same kind of, we're much more like Paul saying, John Mark can't go on my missionary journey than we are like Barnabas saying, ah, give him another chance. Um, we probably would never let David join our staff or preach the Bible, but God let him write the Bible. So that would be a good example as grace is, is one of many um, that we, we talk a lot about, but if we step back, we don't live a lot. Is there one that you think is particularly dangerous, whether it's just it's today or it's always been dangerous? One of those things that we just keep talking about and struggle to live? I, I think the grace one is the most dangerous. I mean, there are others. There's, uh, we talk about the body of Christ, but we don't really believe it. We want everybody to be like us. 
uh, all of our discipleship patterns are uh, creating clones. You know, whatever works for me should work for you. Whatever I've learned, you should know. And whatever I do, you should do. Uh, but I think probably the most dangerous clearly would be the grace piece uh, because the scriptures are pretty clear that the number one thing God hates, you know, six things I hate, yay, seven in Proverbs. It's it's not pride, which most people tell me, oh, it's pride. I go, no, the actual Hebrew phrase is haughty eyes, looking down on others. And uh, uh, the in Luke, uh, the the. Pharisee who prays and his prayers aren't answered was a man who looked down on others. That's that's the descriptor that is used. And it's a great danger of our commitment with the Lord. The more passionate commitment we get, the more we have this tendency to, uh, well, look down on others. And uh, boy, if that's the number one thing God hates, <laughs> that that's a big problem. That's good. And I can think of so many applications in our culture to that today. How do we bridge that gap, Larry? What are some practical ways we can bridge that gap between what we preach about grace and what we actually live or don't live about it? Well, I think the first thing is just look in the mirror and be honest. We all feel that, uh, that our, our secret sins are things we're struggling with, but we, we don't identify ourselves as that. But that's what we do with other people. Uh, our, our, our struggles, uh, we, we, we will say things like, well, that's not really me. Let, let's just pick somebody who every now and then blows up with anger. They go, I'm sorry, that's not really me. And my answer is, no, that really is me. That's me when I'm tired, exhausted, and I don't have the energy to be the fake Larry. This is a real Larry that comes out. So we are way too quick to excuse our failings as failings, uh, instead of label them for what they are, uh, the fruit of sin and disobedience. Um, I like to do two kind of things once in a while. Sometimes to make sure I under, I'm so aware of God's goodness, I love to go on a praise walk and just spill out all the good things that he has done. Uh, and the other thing um, is go on a sin walk and just go all the way back to the earliest cookie I stole out of a cookie jar and just talk to Jesus about those things, those relationships, those dishonest things, the, the you know things from when I was a young man dating, what, and, and just go back and, and walk through that which has been pardoned. And, and you can't finish a walk like that and be anything but broken and humble. Mm, I love that. So practical. Praise walk, sin walk. What are some other ways, Larry, that you've learned to stay healthy to stay growing and hungry in your relationship with God and ultimately to be able to go, you know, 38 years in ministry there at North Coast? Well, I think one of the things that has helped me run the long journey and still have a lot of energy and excitement about the future of it um, is I've never taken myself too seriously. Um, we, I, I think we take ourselves way too seriously. Uh, the Bible says that I'm a mist here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, my friends all talk about their desire for a legacy or whatever, and I laugh. Nobody knows their great-great-grandpa unless he was famous or infamous. Uh, the reality is uh, I have a bit part in a 2,000-year long-running play, the most important one of all of history. Uh, and it's a great honor to have that role, but that's all it is. It's my role, my time, and then I'm done. Uh, and if I realize that, then I will do my best and take a nap. 
In fact, I like to say, do my best under the circumstances. But too often today, I think we're trying to be the best. Uh, We're living every day as if it's the playoffs instead of we're in the middle of a long season. Um, We prepare the horse for battle, Proverbs says, but victory belongs to the Lord. Uh, we, We take way too much credit for our success and way too much blame for our failures. And the mental math of the two is exactly the same. The, the church planner out there that's listening to this, it's very hard on themselves right now because it's not going well. Well, the mental math that's making you depressed right now is the same mental math that would make you arrogant if everything was going well. Um, so uh, I had a mentor who, I have a mentor who taught me and I try to teach people, you have nothing to prove and no one to impress. And if we applied that, how that could change our lives and leadership and ministry. So much gold in there. Larry, thanks for thoughts here today. But one of the big ones is is this. We could chase any of those rabbit trails that you've talked about, you know, for for hours and for many, many sessions of confession with the Lord. But what piece of advice, practice, or tool do you most recommend to young leaders who truly want to go the distance? Well, I tell them, why, don't, why aren't you reading Proverbs regularly? For 17 years, I read whatever proverb corresponded to the date. Uh, and that way, if you miss the third and the fourth, you'll pick it up next month. Uh, and uh, on uh, the, the ninth of this month, uh, that proverb is pretty boring. But three months from now, oh, my gosh, it speaks to everything I'm living right now. And I, I tell people, uh, God has a book about leadership in there that works for a king, works for a business leader, or works for a church leader, anybody leading anything. Uh, it's a potpourri of various ideas scattered around. Uh, and um, to simply read through it on a regular basis and ask the question, where am I experiencing this and where have I seen this, uh, will give incredible, incredible wisdom to you over the years. So every time I have a, a business leader gets a major promotion there's a secular book and then the book of Proverbs. I, I, I give them this little pitch. I go, why are you not reading this on a regular basis? Uh, I think pastors, because of our orientation towards scripture and loving to preach, uh, we gravitate towards Romans, uh, which is great. Uh, but, and we gravitate towards the Jesus stories, which is awesome. But we leave out the wisdom literature which is absolutely necessary as well. We're like a three-legged stool with only two of the legs. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw out a Proverbs challenge for us listening, because that goes across you know, any sphere, any vocation that you have. To be able to pick up Proverbs just very, very simply, I've probably given that challenge, Larry, I don't know, 30 or 40 times to other leaders who say, where do I get wisdom? Where do I get wisdom? There's this really practical place and you can pull it up on yeah. your phone. It's really, really simple. So I appreciate that. And guys, that is officially a challenge here from the podcast is just start tracking along with Proverbs. I've done that before with teams and just seen our collective wisdom you know, go up because you're not looking for it, but it's just kind of sitting there for when you need it. So I, I love that. Um, kind of the last question, Larry, when I've spent time with you, I mean, immediately I know this is a curious person. You're curious about life and leadership and human nature and the way things work. Um, which I think is a testament to, to me that we keep learning, we keep growing in that sense. What's one thing that you're either excited about or curious right now? It doesn't have to be super deep and meaningful, something you're excited about or curious right now. 
Well, <laughs> I don't know if you want to play this on the podcast. I have a friend who owns a vineyard. So I've been fascinated the last five years on uh, that whole concept, on, on how it works. It's such a major part of the Bible. Uh, along with that is uh, the whole interesting world of wine and all of that. Uh, there was a period of five or six years where it had to do with real estate and development. And uh, then there's a, a leadership series or I find about every three to five years, I just pick some subject that a friend is into or life has brought me to. And it's just fun to take a deep dive into it. And it's called associative learning, where you learn something way over here at A. And as you become more knowledgeable about A, you suddenly realize insights it has into C over here on the side where you're you're actually living and doing. So uh, <laughs> that's that's actually my current one right now. Uh figuring out, huh, how does that whole world work? I love it. In a couple of years, we're going to call into your wine podcast and <laughs> you're going to be working with vintners all over the world. So uh, no, I, I love that. Love both your curiosity uh, and the way that you're sharing with other people about that. It's it's infectious. So Larry, uh, just want to say thanks for your faithfulness and your example, the way that you share from the heart and from the gut at the same time. Uh, thanks for taking some time for us today. And so guys, if you're listening along, take the Proverbs challenge. Very, very simple, but it will grow your leadership. So thanks for joining us here for another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We love having you with us. Think about these. Uh, maybe listen with your team along with these. There's so many questions we could take just from um, this brief 20 minutes or so, uh, and we could apply to our teams right now, today, really practical stuff. We'll see you on the next episode. Such good stuff from Larry. I always get so much out of his teaching, his training, his coaching of young pastors and leaders. And so, uh, David, as a couple of us, you know, young pastors, what about you, man? What did you get most out of that interview? I think for me, it was when he's talking about you know things that we preach but we don't believe. And in my life, there are so many things that I have where I would consider it unlived theology where I believe something intellectually, um, but in my heart or my actions, I don't live as if it's true. And so he brought up this idea of, you know, we, we don't really live into the grace that we preach about, either grace for ourselves or grace for others. And as a leader, this can be really, really hard, where especially as Christians, we believe we're you know, saved by grace. That's the only thing um, that can make us right with God yet we then immediately live as if we have to earn our keep. We have to earn our identity. And as leaders, that happens through success. That happens through positions of authority. That happens through um, sorts of things. And quite frankly, it it leads me to to this kind of performance culture that, that burns me out. I think that's the natural result of it, right? Because if we don't have that grace that we're truly talking about, preaching about, discussing, studying, but if we're not living that out... Um, how's that going to lead to health really in any way for ourselves? I do see burnout as that natural result. Man, I loved what he talked about, the simple practical idea of a praise walk and a sin walk, mm -hmm. and just the idea of that bringing us back to God in gratitude that we've been saved. I love that. Um, and of course, when he talks about not taking yourself so seriously, I think today we need that in such huge yeah. ways to say, he even mentioned just taking a nap. And sometimes I say the most spiritual thing we can do sometimes is just take a nap because we're literally trusting that God's working when we're not. So I love that Larry practices that. 
And um, I just hugely respect that about him to say, you know what, we're, we're just a blip in the radar in terms of this church that's gone on for a long, long time and will go on for a whole long time. And don't take ourselves so seriously as that part of the process, but take God really seriously. All of it kind of comes down to, for me, if I had to describe it, is it's working from identity rather than working for identity. And that's a massive difference. And when we start working for identity, that's when we get into all sorts of sorts of issues. So one of the things that uh, he mentioned, I love this, we're in the middle of a long season. We're not in the playoffs. This mm-hmm. idea like mm-hmm. you're going to drop a pass. You're going to miss something. You're going to botch something up. We're not in the middle of the most important moment, the, me- the most important game. Now, while we're recording this, actually the playoffs are going on and I think about the Bears, uh, oh my the double doink uh, that happened <laughs> that, you know, half the world was excited about, half the world wasn't when the field goal, you know, hits the post twice. Uh, um, but we view it like everything is that big kick. Sure, there are a couple big kicks mm-hmm. um, that we'll have in our lives. But, um, hey, we're in the middle of a long season. Just keep showing up. And that's what I get from Larry every time I spend time around him, hear him, and just really appreciate it. I think we need more of that today. Yeah, and his long-term faithfulness is, I think, why he's been so effective and why he's been able to pour into so many young leaders and have that kind of influence. Kind of a funny moment, if you noticed in there, that he said he'd been pastoring since he was 28, and I said, oh, 38 now. Uh, And he said, yeah, well, I was kidding. Like, he'd been in ministry for 10 years. The dude's literally been there for 38 years. Mm -hmm. That is incredible to think about how many people, not only finishing well, but he is curious He's learning about new things. He's learning from new leaders. And man, we need more guys like Larry. It just puts, I don't know, it just puts a charge in my bones spending time with a guy like that. Well, as always, thanks for listening. And we hope that you got a lot out of this episode with Larry Osborne. Um, if you got something out of this, if you value the content that we're putting out, please subscribe, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, share us on social media. That would help us reach more and more listeners. And so thank you for listening to the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast, and we'll see you in the next episode. Shine, shine. We focus so long.